pain has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News and World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope. And there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who've found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. Even though colon cancer is the second most common cause of cancer deaths in the Western world, the good news is that early diagnosis can often lead to a complete cure. This is important to remember because nearly all colon cancers begin as non-cancerous or benign polyps, which then slowly develop into cancer. Cancer pain can result from many sources. For example, tumors can invade into nerves. In colon cancer, the tumor can compress the colon or even spread to other parts of the body like the liver or bone. Pain may be experienced as tight, crampy, or squeezing, and then change when the cancer moves to other parts of the body. Surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation therapy may all contribute to discomfort, even after the cancer is eliminated. Colon cancer survivor Edel Blumberg shares his triumphs over the disease, as well as his struggles with persistent pain. Oncologist and colon cancer specialist Dr. Luis Diaz from Johns Hopkins then offers his special expertise on detection, treatment, and outcomes. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Mylan Pharmaceuticals, Purdue Pharma, Endo Pharmaceuticals, Horizon Pharma, Pentec Health, Boston Scientific, and Optimal Pain Control. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. If you have any questions or comments for Dr. Christo, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. Two-time colon cancer survivor Edel Blumberg describes his story with the phrase, attitude, not aptitude, determines altitude. He credits strong determination, a positive attitude, and a sense of humor as the keys to coping with his disease and the pain that's resulted from it. Edel is getting the word out about colon cancer through his nonprofit outreach organization called the Semicolon Club. Edel, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you. Can you describe the circumstances behind the discovery of your colon cancer? I was out of town in Chicago and have experienced some unbelievable pain as I went to the bathroom to relieve myself. Almost felt like my stomach was going through uh, my body. I wound up in the emergency room in Chicago where they thought I had diverticulitis or some kind of flare-up of my intestinal bowel disease. I came back to Baltimore, wound up in the hospital from an, in the emergency room uh, for three consecutive days. The doctors came by to examine me, released me, thinking you know, just a flare-up of his intestinal bowel disease. And then a month later, I still wasn't feeling great. I called my gastroenterologist. 
I insisted on a uh, more extensive test, at which point they discovered that not only did I have a tumor that was cancerous, but it had burst through my colon and gotten into my lymph nodes. Wow. Edel, where was the tumor actually located? It was at the very, uh, sort of almost at the very beginning part of the lining of, of your colon. Edel, you had two tumors, and we'll talk about the effects of the second one later. You have irritable bowel syndrome as well. How do the symptoms of irritable bowel syndrome differ from the symptoms related to the cancer? I've had pain all my life from having IBS, inflammatory bowel disease, uh, but it would be more bloatiness, you know, having to relieve yourself, uh, those kinds of pains. This pain was uh, literally somebody was felt like they were pulling my stomach through the back end. And when I went to urinate even, this was, I'm telling you, like somebody was trying to pull my guts out. Wow, I mean, that must have been excruciating and pretty scary. Uh, Edel, was that the extent of it? I had about 12 lymph node involvements, and at that point, they, they kind of told me that I was at a much higher risk for either a reoccurrence or, or you know, coming back. So it did not metastasize anywhere else. It did not leave those areas other than the lymph nodes. And so that's why immediately I went into the chemotherapy. Well, it's great to hear that the uh, tumor didn't metastasize. So you had surgery before chemotherapy, and then I know you had a surprisingly painful experience after the surgical wound healed. Uh, What happened then? You would think in the 21st century, they'd have a better way to take out staples from your body than using using a 29-cent stapler remover, but they didn't, which was another painful episode in my life. I was quite amazed, and I had 72 staples because I remember counting down. <laughs> so uh, that was painful. But I, I, 30 days after the surgery, I, as quickly as I could, as strong as I felt, when I felt strong enough, they wanted to put me into the chemo because, again, I, I did have lymph node involvement. And Adele, what was the chemotherapy like? I think chemotherapy is more painful mentally. Yes, I was wiped out, and yes, I was tired, and yes, it took away my appetite. Yes, I had diarrhea and, and you know, side effects, nausea. But you almost lose yourself in that fog of, of those as the drugs entering your body. I'm om- it's almost like an out-of-body experience. I can't explain it any other way. It was very surreal. I felt like I really wasn't in control of myself. I felt like I, I wasn't in control of my mind or my body. It felt like this invasive drug had taken over. Very powerful. Yeah, exactly. Other patients have said that the effects of chemotherapy are worse than the cancer itself. When we come back, we'll talk to Edel about the second course of chemotherapy that was even worse than the first. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, the global leader in medical technology, alleviating pain, restoring health, and extending life for millions of people around the world. Mylan Pharmaceuticals, one of the world's leading generic pharmaceutical companies. Discover why at Mylan, quality isn't just a claim, it's a cause we've made personal at seeinsidemylan.com. Purdue Pharma, making a positive impact on healthcare and on lives, reminding everyone to safeguard medications in their home. Welcome back. Edel, you've had two courses of chemotherapy. Talk to us about the second course. The second was even worse than the first. The first, I had the positive attitude. I knew I could beat it. You know, I'm a fighter. Um, you know, I just, I just had all the optimism in the world. When it came back three years later, I, I, I got to admit, 
I had the doubt. I, I actually wrote two goodbye letters to my wife and to my best friend because I really thought if it's back and it's stage four and they're going to open me up and close it and say he's just done with. I'm very sorry to hear that. I mean, at the same time, though, uh, Edel, you had very positive news after you woke up from the second surgery. Fortunately, when I woke up, they did tell me they did a bowel resection. I did not need a colostomy. They, they felt like they got it all. And my pathology report actually came back with no lymph node involvements. What a relief. Yeah. So even though it was stage four and I wasn't given the greatest news of you know survival rates, the fact that it had not gotten into the lymph nodes kind of put him at some good hope that that chemotherapy had actually worked. Edel, I know you had a second round of chemotherapy that was even worse than the first. What happened? I completely was um, in diapers for the whole six months I took chemotherapy because I was totally incontinent. If you're running to the bathroom 10, 12 times a day, you, you, you get hemorrhoids and you get sore and you don't heal as quickly and all that kind of stuff. And you, know, you have to be careful about open wounds. And my behind was in a lot of pain. <laughs> <laughs> I actually was told by a lady who took care of uh, babies when they were young that the best thing on the market is to put Balmex. B-A-L-M-E-X, like for babies' rashes, I would literally gook it on, but boy, that gave me some immediate relief. And how about the chemotherapeutic agent called uh, oxaliplatin? At the end of my 12th treatment, my feet went completely ice cold. Uh, my hands went completely numb. I started dropping things. So I banged into walls and you know hurt my hand and, and bled. I've fallen coming out off of steps or down steps or walking out of houses, that's certainly been, been a lot of pain. Um, statistically, they told me that uh, 92% of the patients that they've experienced this kind of peripheral neuropathy regenerate and recuperate. And unfortunately, I fell on the 8% that didn't. Um, my feet are 24-7, shooting pain, feel like I'm in a bucket of ice. I haven't slept in almost six years. I'm talking about, you know, you fall asleep maybe for an hour and boom, you feel this like vibrating pain just running up your leg. I have it all the time. I don't have as much pain in my hands. My hands are more numb and more debilitating though because my fine motor skills have been affected. I have trouble buttoning a button or picking up a pill. Um, you could hand me a spoon and I could drop it for no reason. Yeah, it beats the alternative. They said I had a two and a half chance out of 10 surviving stage four colon cancer. So I won that, that battle. It sounds unbearable. And you know, it's both surprising and ironic that despite beating the cancer, you and others still have to endure the painful side effects of the cancer treatments. But you're coping. How? There is one thing I did try that while I'm doing it puts me out of pain and makes me forget my pain. And that is, I, run, I started running two years ago, two miles a day, four or five days a week. I don't feel my, the ground underneath me. And for those, you know, 20 minutes or so, I don't feel any pain. Again, it's almost like another out-of-body experience. I'm in the most pain when I'm lying down. I'm in the second most pain when I'm sitting. And I'm in the least pain when I'm either standing or running. Most importantly, you've discovered your own way to find relief. Edel, having overcome cancer, 
How do you cope with the persistent pain? You move on with your life. Maybe you find your priorities and you learn how to organize them a little bit better. And, you know, there's 11 to 12 million cancer survivors. There were never that many people out there 20, 30, 40 years ago that could say that. But we are survivors and we are hopes for the next person that gets diagnosed. And I think that's the message we got to send. Colon cancer is the third most common form of cancer, but the second most deadliest. And the fact that it jumps up from third to second is because people don't do the steps necessary to prevent it. And so I want to get that message out. And I don't want my story to become their story. And that's why I started the Semicolon Club. That's fantastic. And that club can be found at www.semicolonclub.org. Edel, I want to thank you for joining us today on Aches and Gains. Oh, it's been my pleasure. I hope it, hope it helps. Please join us for the second half of the show when we talk to Dr. Luis Diaz from Johns Hopkins, oncologist and colon cancer specialist. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Endo Pharmaceuticals, a U.S.-based specialty healthcare solutions company that delivers innovative diagnostics, drugs, devices, and clinical data to meet the needs of patients in areas such as pain, urology, oncology, and endocrinology. Horizon Pharma, a biopharmaceutical company that develops and commercializes innovative medicines to target unmet therapeutic needs in arthritis, pain, and inflammatory diseases. Pentech Health, one of the nation's largest pharmacy and nursing companies dedicated solely to providing in-home care for patients with implanted pumps used for the treatment of severe pain or spasticity. Dr. Luis Diaz is an associate professor of oncology at the Sidney Kimmel Comprehensive Cancer Center at the Johns Hopkins Hospital. His clinical focus is on colon and pancreatic cancer. In the laboratory, he explores the genetics of cancer and ways to produce new diagnostic and therapeutic tools that can benefit cancer patients. Dr. Diaz, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you. We hear the words colon cancer, and though anything with cancer sounds scary, it seems that this term causes a lot of silence in the room. Why do you think so? Colon cancer is an abnormal growth within your colon that transforms from the normal turnover of cells in your colon into a pre-malignant state, and then over time, and that time can be over 10 to 20 years, that abnormal growth turns into invasive cancer, which invades into the colon and then has the potential to invade into other organs. Once that happens, it goes from a curable disease to an incurable disease. I agree with you that that cancer and colon cancer in general induces a lot of silence in the room for a lot of reasons, Um, but there are a lot of new approaches to not only prevent colon cancer, but to treat it and cure it, Uh, and a lot of those are being applied today. And I have several patients now who who are surviving a long time with this disease. I'm glad you said that because it's said that colon cancer is preventable, treatable, and beatable. How is colon cancer preventable today? No one should die of colon cancer, at least the common form of colon cancer, because we can screen for it. And we can screen for it using colonoscopy. That is the standard approach that we screen for it. It's effective and even better that if they find something abnormal, it itself can be the treatment. It can remove an abnormal growth that may become cancer, and it can cure you of that. So the the colonoscopy is quite useful in not only screening for cancer, but even treating the earliest 
stages of colon cancer. Absolutely, and that's why everybody who's eligible should get a colonoscopy. Luis, is pain one of the first symptoms of colon cancer? Unfortunately, there are oftentimes no early symptoms to colon cancer, and that's why screening is so important. Pain can occur if the abnormal growth is in a location that causes irritation or obstruction, or even in some cases, perforation or opening up of the colon. Um, But in general, early stages of cancer are not uh, marked with pain. Right, and our previous guest, Edel, described the agony of having the colon cancer break through the colon and into the abdomen. Among the list of cancers that can cause pain, how painful is colon cancer? Once it invades beyond the colon, it it can be quite painful. Uh, For instance, the colon cancers that I see, the majority when they spread tend to go to the liver. And the liver, when it is invaded by cancer, can swell, and there can be pain in the right upper portion of your abdomen that can be quite severe. The other issue with colon cancer is that oftentimes you have colon cancer that invades the abdomen. And when it does that, that that can lead to quite a bit of discomfort and pain. And at some point, all my patients with advanced colon cancer are requiring narcotics to help control the pain. What are some of the painless screening tests that are performed for colon cancer? The non-invasive tests that we do now, one is called a fecal occult blood test, where they check for blood in your stool sample. More recently, there have been tests using a CT scan called virtual colonoscopy, uh, and that's been quite effective as well. The issue there is you still have to undergo the imperative regimen with um, drinking a lot of uh, fluid that will cause you to clean your bowel out, and that could be uncomfortable to a lot of patients. And more recently, we're seeing tests that look for DNA markers in the stool uh, that might flag the presence of a colon cancer, and those uh, are becoming more and more commonly used as well. Right now, colonoscopy is still the mainstay. In the future, I think what we'll see are blood tests that can actually pick up cancer and blood tests that can screen uh, effectively and help aid in the early detection of colon cancer. That's exciting. When we return from the break, we'll talk to Dr. Diaz about whether pain intensifies as cancer progresses. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Optimal Pain Control by Franklin Pharmacy a state-of-the-art compounding pharmacy that provides alternatives to oral pain medications. Contact us toll-free at 888-482-3972. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. And we're back. Luis, does the pain intensify as cancer progresses from stage one to stage four? Absolutely, but just like uh, a lot of different cancers, it depends where the cancer cancer settles down to grow. If it if it settles down to grow somewhere that is not typically associated with pain, then no, the patient will not have pain. But oftentimes, it it involves the liver, which can cause pain. It involves the intestine itself, which can cause pain. It can, can involve the bone, the rectum, and that causes quite a bit of pain. And then we are forced to address the pain issue because that's a major, major issue that our patients deal with. Given that pain can be such a major problem, are there any preventive measures we can take against the development of colon cancer? There is some data to suggest that 
simply taking an aspirin a day is sufficient to decrease the, the incidence of colon cancer. But that remains to be completely confirmed in larger prospective studies. You've mentioned that surgery is often curative and that pain is transient 90% of the time following surgery and usually resolves within one to two weeks. But but what happens to the other 10% of those patients? In about 10% of the patients, we do see more persistent incisional pain that takes some time to resolve. Luis, talk to us about the kind of pain that patients experience from the chemotherapy that's used for colon cancer. One of the chemotherapies that's commonly used for colon cancer is called oxaliplatin. And oxaliplatin, unfortunately, has a bad side effect called neuropathy. Neuropathy from oxaliplatin tends to happen in the fingers and toes, tends to initially be a numbness or tingling, tends to be associated with cold sensitivity. So when they reach into the, the refrigerator or freezer and they grab a glass or, or, or a can of, of soda, that, that can induce quite a bit of pain. And in, in the most severe cases, it starts affecting things like typing, like buttoning your shirt, or even walking. Patients tend to trip um, and don't have the ability to run or to, uh, or to do the activities of daily living in a, in a comfortable way. And this requires medications, and the medications don't work that great. It's a different kind of pain than we're used to. We try things like Neurontin. Um, we try things like antidepressants. And in some severe cases, we try chronic narcotics in a lot of cases. We've even tried alternative strategies uh, like acupuncture. And we may get temporary relief, but it's certainly not long-term elimination of the pain. Our previous guest, Edel Blumberg, has had a poor response to the medications that are used to treat chemotherapy-induced neuropathy from oxaliplatin. But in your experience, Louise, what treats that type of pain from oxaliplatin the best? Right now, Neurontin. Uh, gabapentin works quite well. But it, but it doesn't eradicate the pain. Do you recommend implantable pain pumps that deliver medicines like morphine for patients who have advanced disease associated with colon cancer? Oh, I think the efficacy is great. We've done things like uh, intrathecal pumps, and, and those are quite effective, especially in people dealing with pelvic pain. Uh, that won't be able to be addressed with radiation or even the therapy we're giving. I agree. And for the audience, intrathecal refers to the delivery of pain medicines directly to the spinal cord. I also want to remind everybody that uh, if colon cancer spreads to the bone, that radiation therapy can effectively treat the cancer in the bone as well as the bone pain. Dr. Diaz, when a cancer patient or survivor has worsening pain or pain that's new, Uh, it can indicate that cancer has recurred. Is that often true for colon cancer as well? Absolutely, and I think that that's one of the things that we look for as we go forward with patients and uh, trying to determine whether or not they have recurrent disease. And pain is one of the markers that we look for to then get a CT scan or some other sort of diagnostic test. Luis, do you feel that the pain of colon cancer can be controlled for the most part, especially at the end of life? Yeah, I think at the end of life, uh, some of the strategies we discussed with the pain pump And uh, it's a special scenario, and we definitely want patients to be as comfortable as possible. We don't want anyone to be in pain. Absolutely true. Is there hope for increased survival from colon cancer? Absolutely. I think when I started my training, our average survival was six to eight months. Now we're over two years. Wow, that's great. And how about gene therapy? That's one of our hopes, and uh, not only gene therapy to to treat, but potentially gene therapy to prevent it. Do you have a final word of hope for those suffering from the pain of colon cancer? I think that with 
each passing week, new things are coming out, not only in the research labs, but also in the clinic. And these are going to be able to really allow us to not only treat cancer better, but treat patients' pain better, and hopefully in the end, cure patients so that they don't have to deal with the pain anymore. And with that, I want to thank you very much for joining us today, Dr. Diaz, on Aches and Games. Thank you. This is great. Next time, we'll talk to Deborah Barrett, author of Pain Tracking, Your Personal Guide to Living Well with Chronic Pain. We'll take a good look at her approach to assessing, testing, and tweaking approaches that promote well-being and decrease suffering. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of WBAL Radio, Hearst, and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Tom Blair and Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. From WBAL Radio, 1090 AM, you've been listening to Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.